Hey, good morning. You guys feeling excited? Awesome. I got to say, you have a little bit more energy than the previous service, and that makes me very excited. So the coffee bar must be working, everything is going well. I... Uh, so excited about this series. I've been, I'm enjoying this series, The Arena. We're talking about faith and, and uh, learn, being inspired from the faith of others and you know, joining in in the race and the legacy of faith and, and passing on faith to others. I bet a lot of you have already memorized the definition of faith that we're using, but if you haven't, I want to put it up on the screen. And when we're talking about faith, this is what we mean. Being sure that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says that he will do. And as I was thinking about this, the, the arena of life and living the legacy of faith and receiving faith, running well in faith, and passing on faith, I, you know what Olympic event came to mind. It, it's, it's a relay race. And so to get us ready, and to get us in the right frame of mind for today, I've got a video of a relay race that I want to show you. Check it out. Watching that just gives me a sick feeling in my gut. What do you do when you fail? What do you do when you feel like you've blown it in a big way in your life? What do you do when someone who you looked up to and depended on and admired, what do you do when they fail? What do you do when the fall of somebody else causes you to stumble? We've been in this series on faith and we're excited about faith, and faith is being sure of who God is. And the enemy wants to trick us, and he wants our faith to become unsure, and he doesn't want us to focus our faith on God, but he wants us to make our faith about us, to make our faith about ourselves or about somebody else. See, faith is sure when it's about who God is. This is the first thing I want you to write down this morning. Check this out. is that faith becomes unsure when we make it about us instead of about him. Instead of focusing on him and his goodness and his strength, we focus on ourselves and the enemy. Satan, he wants to whisper in your ear and tell you, you're not good enough. Why would you even volunteer for that ministry? You'll probably mess up. You're not who other people think you are. Look at that leader who you trusted. They didn't live up to who they promised to be. If they couldn't make it, neither can you. And the enemy wants to whisper in your ear and cause you to doubt and cause you to become discouraged and to talk you into dropping the baton. See, he's okay if you come here and sing the songs and listen to the messages. 
but he's not okay if you walk out of here and actually act in faith on the promises of God. And I believe that there are people in this room right now who are, who are burdened by the weight of failure and the fear of failure, either your own failure from your past, the fear of failure from your future, or the failure from somebody else in your life, and it's holding you back. And you're not stepping out in faith and trusting God and following God and serving and engaged. And I want you to know that today God wants to set you free from that. Today is a day to be set free from the weight and the burden of failure. And so today, we want to share with you guys a few stories from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And we're going to look at stories of faith that will inspire us. And so I want to take a laser focus on three guys. If you have your Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22 says this. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. There's a golden thread of God's promise that, that weaves through each of these stories and each of these characters. They were given and guided by the promise of God. They believed because God promised that he would be their God and one day he would give them a land for the, their families and the nation that they would become. God had promised a land to them and so they came up with this clever name to remember it. They called it the promised land. And they believed that God was going to fulfill his promise. And the weight and the, current, and the current of God's activity in their lives was always moving them forward into this promise. And so I want to share with you some of these inspiring stories. But I have to warn you, some of these stories read with all the class of a Jerry Springer episode. We, we've, got some messed up, we've got some messed up folks in this book. And so I'm going to share this story with you, and I think you're going to be encouraged today. And so I look at, I'm just going to start with verse 20. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. What in the world? I don't know if this verse is confusing to you, but it's confusing to me. How could it say that Isaac acted in faith? I know this guy's story. Yeah, I can, there are crazy things in the Bible. Like I can read, Jesus walked on water. That's cool. He invented water. I believe he did it. He's God. But Isaac, he acted in faith when he promised blessings to his son. If, if you know the story, you, you, it kind of makes your head spin a little bit. And maybe not all of us know the story. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recap some of these stories today. And this morning might be a small miracle because a pastor is going to make a long story short. And we typically <laughs> make short stories long. So you got this guy, Isaac, and he married Rebecca. And God gave them two sons, twins. Esau was the oldest and Jacob was the younger one. And God told Isaac, I've chosen Jacob. I'm going to bless Jacob. All your other kids, they're going to serve Jacob. Jacob's the one that I choose. But Isaac, he didn't like this because this went against cultural practice and expectation. The younger sons always serve the older, older son. And Isaac, he didn't like this plan. He never got on board with this plan. He wanted the blessing to go to his oldest son. His oldest son, Esau, he was this manly, outdoorsy guy. And he was Isaac's favorite. And then Jacob, I don't know if he was a mama's boy, but he was his mom's favorite. And as you might imagine, this division caused a lot of drama in the family. Now, a cool fact about Jacob, 
His name means deceiver. Imagine that being your name. Every time you meet someone new, you introduce yourself. Hi, my name is You Can't Trust Me. (laughs) All right, so fast forward many years. Isaac, the dad, he's on his deathbed, and he knows he's going to die soon. So he brings in his oldest favorite son. He says, Esau, listen, I want you to go hunting. I want you to go out and bring me back a yummy claim jumper type manly meal. And when you get back, he said, I will give you the blessing. And so Esau leaves. And so the younger son, Jacob, he and his mom, they launch, a, they, they launch this plot. Jacob, he dresses up in Esau's clothes. He pretends to be Esau. He brings in food and he totally lies to his dad. Hey, dad, I'm Esau. And his dad is old and he's mostly blind, so he buys the ruse. And, and, and the dad, Isaac, gives the blessing to Jacob, the younger son. A little while later, Esau comes back, and the con is discovered. And as you might imagine, Esau is white hot with anger, and he wants to kill his brother. And the Bible says that when he realized what happened, Jacob trembled. Because he realized in that moment, the only reason he obeyed the promise of God was because he was tricked. And in this story, I find incredible encouragement and a grave warning. God did not give Isaac the freedom to break God's promise. He did give Isaac the freedom to break his family. God made a promise, and God made sure that his promise was kept. He said, I choose Isaac. Excuse me, he said, I choose Jacob. I'm using him. And and, and Isaac, the dad, he trusted him perfectly, and there was all kinds of drama and mess that came about as a result of this, and it could have been avoided. It was decades before the storm settled and peace actually returned to the family. Isaac trusted God imperfectly. He trusted God only partially, and he led and influenced his family to only trust God partially. And because of that, this story is a big mess. But it's a story to tell not because people are faithful, it's because that God is perfectly faithful. And I look at this story, and I read here in Hebrews, it says Isaac acted in faith. How in the world can it say that he acted in faith? Here is a bit of encouragement for you. I want you to write this down, put a star next to it. Your faith is not defined by your failures. You guys were excited. Your faith is not defined by your failures. There we go. Some of you guys aren't going to let yourself believe this, but this is true. You want to make your faith about you, but your faith is not about you. Your faith is about the faithfulness and the grace of God. It's not about you. Check out this cool verse in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Yes, we can sin. Yes, we do fail. Yes, we mess up. But Jesus Christ says, he's mine. She's mine. Guess what? I took the punishment for them. I went to the cross for them. They're with me. They're not guilty. And Jesus turns and he says, now trust me and follow me, and keep coming with me into this promise. And you may be thinking, but what about all my mess-ups? What about my mistakes? What about the times that everything went wrong? Check out this promise. This buck is full of them. In Romans 8, 28, it says this, and we know that God causes everything, even my sin, 
to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I'm not sharing this with you this morning because I want you to feel free to go and sin and rebel and fail like it's no big deal. I'm sharing this with you this morning because God wants you to know you don't have to carry the weight of failure. Jesus carried that on the cross. Jesus said, I will carry that. It is paid for, and now you are free to enjoy the new life that comes from trusting in him. Your faith is not defined by your failure. Will you believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do in your life our faith is not about us it is about him I'm looking in this chapter and it comes next we're looking at Jacob now in Hebrews 11 verse 21 it says it was by faith that Jacob when he was old and dying he blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff Jacob had a lot of sons, and Joseph was one of his younger sons and his favorite son. And God said, I'm going to choose to bless Joseph. I'm going to choose to act in his life, and I'm going to make the promise come true in his life, and I'm going to use him to save the family. Joseph's older brothers, they were jealous of him. And so they faked his death, and they sold him into slavery. And one day he wound up in Egypt, and through a miraculous set of events, he went from being a slave to being a prisoner to eventually becoming the second in command over the entire Egyptian empire. And God came to Joseph and he said, listen, there is a famine coming. And so Joseph, as the ruler over Egypt, he enacted a plan to make sure that Egypt was prepared and able to thrive in the middle of this devastating famine. And one day in the middle of this famine and drought, those very same brothers who discarded him, who sold him into slavery. They came to Egypt looking for food. And now as one of the most powerful and wealthy men in all the world, Joseph used his status to forgive his brothers, to care for his family, to bring them into Egypt. He even gave his brothers land and houses and wealth. And now as an incredibly old man, Jacob is looking at the promises of God coming to life and blooming in his son. It happened way back when, when God made this promise to Abraham and Abraham passed it on to Isaac and God made sure that Isaac didn't mess it up. And then it was passed on to Jacob and now it's coming to life in his son, Joseph. And Jacob can see that God is an absolutely certain God and he's leading them on what sometimes feels like an uncertain journey. And so Joseph, he comes to his dad one day with his little boys, and he wants his dad, Jacob, to bless his sons. And everybody expected that Jacob would bless the older son over the younger son. It was expected. This is the way things always worked. It wasn't based on character. It wasn't based on competency. It was totally based on the birth order that you were born in. And so Joseph brings his sons to his dad. He brings up the older one, and then here's the younger one. And Jacob crosses his arms, and he blesses the younger one over the older one. Well, why would he do that? This totally breaks the trend of Old Testament culture. And God is always doing this. God is always flipping the order. And when we look at this, what we realize is even though they came expecting to be treated based on the status that came with their birth, Jacob is letting them know when you come to God, you're not treated based on the status of your birth. You're treated based on the status of God's son, Jesus Christ. He gives new life. That's why Jesus said we have to be born again because when we come to him, we give new life in him. I I shared with you, Jacob's name was the deceiver. Well, one day God changed his name to Israel. 
And that name was given as a reminder of God's promise and blessing. He literally changed his identity. And when Jacob was there with his little grand boys, it was a picture for them and for all of us to see that when we come to God, he changes our identity. We're not treated based on the status of our birth. We are defined by the promises of God. And when I look at this story, my faith is encouraged because I know this, and I want you to write this down. Our faith doesn't just change what we believe. It changes our identity. We are children of the promise. I love this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. In Jesus Christ, we receive a new identity. We are children of the promise. And you may be thinking to yourself, Rick, you just don't know. I, I'm just stuck in shame over this secret sin. God can break that and give you new life. You may feel like you are failure as a parent and your marriage isn't working out. God can break that. He can transform you and he can bring new life to you and to your spouse and to your children. You may say, Rick, I'm stuck in addiction. This can't be true of me. God will break that and he will break bring you new life. Our faith doesn't just change our beliefs. It changes our identity. Will you believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do? That is what faith is. It is not about us. It is about him and he wants to bring good in our lives and all we have to do is trust him. So I'm continuing in this story and that's Jacob and, and now I'm looking at Joseph and in Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 22, it says this, It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones when they left him. So there he is. He's on his deathbed. He's dying. The end of his life is almost there. And he's still holding on to and clinging to the promise of God. And he's saying with his last breath to his family, to everyone who's around, listen, it's coming. God's promise is coming. It's going to be good. Don't give up. Don't stop believing it. Hold on to it. Remember, Egypt is a nice neighborhood, but we're moving into the promise of God. Don't be distracted by this. Keep your eyes on that. And when I look at that, this is what I, this is what I get. This is the encouragement that I get from this verse about Joseph. Is your faith is not limited by what you can see. Your faith is not limited by what you can see. I want to jump up to verses 13 through 16 in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth, Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. you got to check this out. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Have you ever felt shame? Guess what? God is not ashamed of you. I'll try this side. God is not ashamed of you. Have, 
Have you ever just felt regret, just like stones in your gut, and you're just like, who am I? Guess what? God looks at you and says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I love you. I'm not ashamed of you. If you trust him in faith, God is not ashamed of you. And there are going to be times when you're tempted to let the limits of your faith be the limits of your imagination, that your best ideas is as big as your faith is going to get. But guess what? God is not limited by the limits of your imagination. God is not restricted by the best ideas that you can come up with. He's only limited by what he can do, which happens to be everything. So let me ask you this this morning. Are you going to live by what you can see? Are you going to live by what God has promised? I know there are people in this room who believe that one day your kids are going to come back to faith. Will you hold on to that? Will you pray for that? Will you invest in that? There are people in this room who have felt the nudge of God to share their faith with family and coworkers and neighbors. Will you take a step of faith and start sharing even though you can't see how it's going to happen yet? There are people in this room who felt the nudge of God to be a small group leader in this new thing that's coming up, but you're like, my house isn't good enough. I'm going to have to clean every week. I don't think I can do it. What if they ask a question that I can't answer? Guess what? It's not about you. It's about him. Your faith is not limited by what you can see. I've been following an Assemblies of God preacher on Twitter lately. I'm a little fired up. I want you to check out what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Your faith is not limited by what you can see. I bet there's some people in this room right now. You just feel like there's something more. You're here and you're checking it out and you just feel like there's more to life. You can identify with the people in these pages. Even if you're, not the, even if you're the least religious person here, even if you're not entirely sure that God is real yet, you can identify and you share a kindred spirit with these people. One of my favorite writers, his name is C.S. Lewis, he says this, and I'm going to put the quote up on the screen. He says, if I discover within myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Guess what? You were made for another world. You were made to know God and to enjoy him forever. We have a promised land, and it is called heaven, and some of you in this room, you need to receive it today. Some of you in this room need to admit to God, I've been looking for what only you can give in places where you're not found. And today is an opportunity for you to say to God, I believe who you say you are. And for the very first time, I'm going to trust you in faith. Will you do that this morning? In Romans 10, verse 9, in the Bible, it says this, If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has risen him from the dead, we can be saved. And I want to pause right now, and I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never said, God, I trust you, to trust him now. And so I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, just bow your heads with me, close your eyes, and we're going to have an opportunity for some people to enter the family. Maybe you could pray this. God, it's been tough for me to trust you, but I trust you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose from the dead. I believe that you want to give me new life. I claim your promise. Amen. If you just prayed this, the Bible says that the angels in heaven are celebrating and that you are now a member of the family of God. To run a relay race well, 
you have to receive the baton that was passed on to you. You've got to carry it as best you can and pass it on to those who come next. Don't let the fear of failure weigh you down. You can keep going. You can keep holding on because your faith is not about you. It's about him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people who are here in this room. God, I pray that they would be as encouraged by your word as I am. God, I pray that you would give us the hope and the strength and the courage to hold on to you and to not listen to the lies of the enemy that would get us to make it about us and to take our eyes off of you. God, I pray that as we walk out of this room today, that we will walk confident in the promises that you have made and you will use us to bring life and hope and healing to our community. In your son's name we pray, amen.